going to ask you to pray with me one more time. Father, thank you so much for this morning and thank you for the encouragement that comes from the body of Christ, even as we were able to, to sing and also to hear the singing uh, about the significance of what Jesus has done. May it never grow old for us. And Lord, may you remind us again and again through so many different means uh, that we're in a right relationship with you by faith in your son. And Lord, may we find ourselves worshiping him and more and more impressed with his great love for us, that he loved us while we were his enemies and gave himself up for us so that we might be reconciled to you. Uh, Help us now this morning as we consider um, the significance of Christ and the things that he said. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, I'll invite you to turn to the eighth chapter of the gospel according to Luke. So we're looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, as recorded by Luke, and we're working through Luke together as a church. This morning, we're going to focus particularly on the importance of hearing. The importance of hearing. Jesus is going to talk about the importance of hearing from Jesus, is what the focus will be. And so as we think about the importance of hearing, maybe you even want to stop and consider important things you've heard. What are some of the most important things you've ever heard? Um, Things like, I love you. Things like, I forgive you. Things like, will you forgive me? Or maybe you've heard someone say, I do. Or you've heard the first cry of a baby and it gives you a a great assurance that there's life. It's a significant thing to hear. Maybe you've heard, you passed. Uh, Maybe you've heard, you're hired. Uh, There are all these significant things that we hear in life. And then we hear from significant people as well. Uh, Some of you have heard the the United States president speak in person, referred to oftentimes as the most powerful individual on the planet. And maybe you've heard him speak. Or maybe you've heard someone who is the top of your field give a lecture, some scholar who knows the most about what you do, and you've heard them speak, and they're they're so important in your area of expertise. Or you've heard a religious uh, icon, a cultural icon speak, and you heard them with your own ears. Or or maybe even some of you, I've never experienced this one, uh, have heard royalty speak. Kings or queens or princes, princesses. Well, you can see where this is going because this is a Christian church and we have our Bibles open to the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. And here's where I tell you, as great as those things are, they're not great in comparison to the significance of the one who designed the universe, talk about expert in field, spoke it into being, is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, royalty on a whole new level who's been given all authority, and he speaks. And we're going to see in Luke chapter 8 that he speaks about the importance of his speaking. He speaks to those around him about the importance of listening to what he says. And so we're going to talk about the awesomeness of hearing this morning, specifically hearing from Jesus, hearing the Word of God coming from the Son of God, and I trust it will stir you, it will encourage you, it might convict you to be one who wants to be impressed with the most impressive one of all, Jesus Himself, who has 
the words of eternal life, as the Bible says. So I'm looking forward to that. Trust you are as well. And let's go ahead and read these significant words in verses 16 to 21 of Luke 8. Quoting Jesus now in verse 16, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And my first response to that is, oh, how significant It is to hear the Word of God. You want to be close to Jesus, as close to those who are closest to Him, His mother and brothers? You hear His Word, and you respond to His Word. It's it's shocking and and even alarming to, to us at times when we hear Him say things like He says here. That, that if you carefully hear and embrace, I'm paraphrasing, then, then you'll be given more. It's a, you'll be blessed by God. But if you aren't careful to hear and you don't embrace, as an act of judgment, what you think you have, he even says, will be stripped from you. What? As far as our cultural sensi- sensibilities are concerned? What? Now, maybe this doesn't shock you because your mind is is thinking biblically and you have a biblical worldview and you're used to Jesus saying things like this. And if that's the case, just put yourself for a moment uh, in the shoes of your office mate or your coworker or your friend or neighbor who isn't so used to this. I mean, it's a shocker. If it were a cartoon, you know, it'd be where they go, you know, and and the shock waves go by. I mean, this this is upsetting the cultural... Apple cart. For Jesus to say things like this, it's a good reminder to us, I think, just how shocking it is. That your, your friend, the person, or the person you care about, and you want them to understand who Jesus is, that, that you really need to introduce them to this, this Jesus. You, you have to get them to understand this is who the Jesus of reality is. Because think about what what we are fed, um, the cultural Jesus we are fed. And, and, and so more than likely when your friend hears Jesus, they think not of this Jesus. They think of a different Jesus. They think of maybe what the church has presented so many times, the Jesus who is forever remains a baby under the authority of his mother. If anything, it doesn't seem like he speaks anything like this because she seems to do all the talking because he's always a baby. That's one side of the spectrum. Or, or, or we in the church, sometimes we, we would never talk about Jesus like this because um, the Jesus we talk about is the one that we judge. Right? We, we talk to people and we, we say things like, 
Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Which is soon, and that could be fine semantically. But we say things like that. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Which assumes that you've evaluated critically Jesus and maybe you've seen fit to find him worthy to come into your life. When we think like that, this kind of stuff is shocking. C.S. Lewis wrote an essay. I think it was called God in the Dock using older English, a British perspective, God in the courtroom being judged. That's, that's how we think. Have you critically evaluated Jesus and decided maybe to invite him into your heart or did you not find him worthy? God in the dock. This is a great passage for us to shock us out of that. It's a great passage for us to help maybe help us understand that our friends are thinking they can critically evaluate God because God's on trial. Jesus is on trial. They can decide whether or not he really is good enough for them. And here we have this Jesus and he's saying things about his words. And you'd better be careful to listen to my words. And if you embrace them, there will be blessing. He's compassionate and gracious and kind. Indeed he is. He's a good shepherd. But conversely, if you don't take my words as the authoritative words that they are, then there's judgment. And what you even think you knew about God will be taken away from you. You swallow hard. You swallow hard. I'm thankful that he says things like this so that we can know him for who he really is and we can maybe get shocked into thinking rightly about who he is. He's, he's the judge if anybody's the judge. And he wants us to know this. Now granted, he's more than a judge. He's a gracious savior. Yes, 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 yes. But the emphasis of this passage is you'd better listen to him. And you'd better do what he says. You better believe what he says. Or it won't be good for you. And if you do, it'll be good for you. So let's look a little bit closer at this kind of emphasis with the opening statement of verse 16, looking a little closer now, where he says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Light is not for hiding. Right? It doesn't, that's dangerous. It doesn't even make sense. And he's probably talking about a little lamp that's, that's oil lit. And what do you do? You light the candle and then you put it in the cupboard? Of course not. That would be crazy. You, you light the candle and then you, you, you hide it under the bed? That would be crazy. That would be foolish. That would be unthinkable. Of course not. What you do, maybe you take it out of the cupboard or from out under the bed and you light it and you display it because what is the function of light? The function of light is to, to make things clear, to, to, to bring exposure, to bring clarity so you can see things for what they really are. That's the function of light. And he uses what is a proverb in the culture to be used in different ways in different settings to make a point here, I think, about himself. Now, if you've read the Bible very much at all, maybe even if you haven't read the Bible, but you've been exposed to people who have read the Bible, you've heard this this uh, proverb before, this proverbial statement. What's interesting, though, is you've probably heard it 
as it's used in a different context. When Jesus is sending out the disciples and he's equipping them and training them and he says, let your what? Your light shine, right? Let your light shine before other human beings. You hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? I'm busting out and singing. I remember that from growing up in a church. Anyway, so... What, how did it go? Don't let Satan it out, right? Let's all sing. Let's not. <laughs> Let's have the pastor stick to his notes. Oh, no. Um, same proverbial statement used in a different context. Here, he's not talking about the disciples going out and letting their light shine. He's talking, based upon what he's about to say and the flow of things, He's talking about himself. Remember, Jesus is the one who is the light in darkness. I had to read this and reread this and reread this because I was thinking in terms of how it's used elsewhere. And it's hard to not do that because you've read other parts of the Bible and you, you know what you know over there and you try to put it in here. And I thought, I, I do not get this. Trying to read it in the big picture of things. and I found it helpful to read some commentaries and to learn more about this proverbial statement that's used different ways in different contexts. Oh, because the whole context seems to be about Jesus and who he is. And then it's like the, pardon this, light went off. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. He's just using it differently. He's using it about himself. He brings clarity. He makes things clear. Like John 8, I am the light of the world. Oh, okay, that, that, that makes more sense. You can see things for, for what they really and truly are. Light does that. We all are used to that. It's getting dark in your house and you're reading the uh, book or whatever it might be and you're not reading your backlit device. It's harder and harder to see. You need light because light brings clarity and exposure. And as we're going to see, he's talking about himself. I was foolish enough to be riding my bike in the dark last night. I have a little computer, and I was trying to see what the computer said. It didn't help I had sunglasses on, too, because when I left my house, it was still light out, and so I had the glasses kind of out a little ways, and I was doing this under the glasses, and I still couldn't see it. Now, of course, there's a feature on my bike computer that has a light on it, and then I could have seen it, but that would have meant I'd have to stop, and then my time wouldn't be as good. So I just kept riding, because I want to be faster than my friends. Anyway, so... I can see that computer fine in the daylight. I need light to bring clarity. Just like you need light to bring clarity. Jesus is going to show himself to be the light that brings clarity. Look with me if you would at verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Okay, clarity is going to be a reality. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So if he's talking about himself and he's the light, he's going to make everything clear. He's going to make everything obvious because of who he is and because of his speech, he's going to make things clear. Here's, here's, where, here's where we apply it. Here's how we apply it. So if someone says, this is what I believe to be true about God, how do you know if it's right or not? Sincerity? No. You know if it's right or not because Jesus brings clarity. 
you know if they're wrong or they're right because He's going to bring exposure. He's going to bring clarity. Somebody says, this is what I think about spirituality. This is what I think about God. This is what He teach about God. And here we are going, how do we know if that's true or not? What's the evaluator? My opinion versus their opinion. No. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the one who is this light who brings exposure. Okay? And He's about ready to, to, to call for us to, to see Him that way and call us to action. This is, this is tremendous. He, he, he's the, to borrow a different analogy because we use this verbiage all the time, He's the litmus. He's the standard. He's the light by which everything else is evaluated. How do I know if somebody's telling the truth about God? Well, compare it to what Jesus says. How do I know if I'm believing the right thing about God? How do I know? Compare it to what Jesus says. How about this? Jesus is the great clarifier, is what we're seeing there. Now, we might be tempted to think, because this is kind of how we think, and we hear other people talk this way, and then we start adopting it for our own. We think, well, okay, that's nice. Jesus brings light and illumines and brings clarity. And so um, this is what I believe about spiritual things. This is what I believe about God. And Jesus is going to make it clear someday. And so I'm just going to be sincere in the meantime and everything will be okay. And life will be pretty easy because you'll never have to say anybody's wrong or anybody's right. You'll just believe what you believe sincerely and everybody else believes what they believe sincerely. And, you know, Jesus is going to sort it all out. But he doesn't stop. He, he, he doesn't go there. He doesn't want you to do that. Look at, look at verse 18 where it says, Take care then how you hear. And I'm kind of raising my voice in preaching mode because here's the command. He's writing and he's, or he's speaking. He's saying, because of the light reality and because of the exposure that the light brings, I want you to do something. I need you to act. There, there's, a, there's a moral responsibility on your behalf. There's a moral responsibility on my behalf. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because of this reality, you need to, what does he say? Take care how you hear. There's a call to action. This is, this is where I, you know, in my notes should say, preach this, pastor. If he does this, then you should be very careful about how you hear. This is extraordinary. This is amazing. This is freeing. This is good. You could read this negatively and say, man, what's the deal? I'm called to do something and I'm called to somehow evaluate things based upon who Jesus is. That doesn't seem very nice. Well, you could look at it negatively or you could say, isn't this amazing? Because of who Jesus is and because he's the great illuminator, because he's the great exposure, if you will, that, that calls me to do something and act a certain way so that I can be free and, and not be tied to everyone else's opinion and not to mention my own, which typically says a lot about me and not much about God. This is, this is magnificent. This is amazing. I'm called to act this way. Take care how you hear. And you think about if this is talking about Jesus and he's the one who does this, wow, I'm at the edge of my seat. I want to hear from Jesus. I really want to hear from him. This is, this is fantastic. Now, I suppose I've been assuming something and maybe we'll roll our sleeves up a little bit and make sure that this is actually true. Um, where it says in verse 18, take care of how you hear 
take care of how you hear what. You know, just be a good listener. Uh, okay, husbands, you know, don't pretend like you didn't hear what your wife said as you're walking out the door. Boys and girls, you know, make sure you listen to your parents and take care of how you hear. Our context will help us to know what he's talking about. If you drop down to verse 21 toward the end, he says, my, brother and my, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. Okay, that is certainly what he's talking about. Not hearing in general, but hearing the word of God. Earlier in the previous context, in verse 11, he talked about the seed being the word of God that is sown, uh, uh, proclaimed, and that's talking about the word, so that's affirming our conclusion. Um, even back in chapter 8, verse 1, setting the, the tone for the whole context, he's talking about the good news of the kingdom of God being proclaimed. When you shake it all out, put it all together, you say, what's being heard is the word of God. What's being heard is the, the, the message of the good news, gospel is how you translate that, of the kingdom of God. And guess who's central in the good news of the kingdom of God? It would be none other than Jesus, the king. And so really, these are synonyms. Be careful how you hear the word of God. Be careful how you hear the good news. Be careful how you hear the, the word of uh, God. Re, or, excuse me. Be, be careful how you hear the truth about the king. Be careful how you hear Jesus. And then we eventually can cross-reference somewhere else and say, oh, the word of God is the word of Christ and all that. But even in our own context, be careful how you hear Jesus. Be careful how you hear the word of God. Be careful how you hear the gospel is what's going on here. This is peculiar as well to our sensibilities. It amounts to a warning where there's blessing or judgment. I'm just not used to that and neither are you apart from reading the Bible. Because naturally, I think about my independence. Right? I think of Jesus more like a genie. I think of Jesus more like a life coach. I mean, I'm going to listen to his advice and when it kind of fits what I want to do, and I'm going to take him up on it. That seems to be pretty smart. He was a smart guy. But when it rubs me, I go, eh, I don't think so. So let's be honest and, and realize that we're probably here when we need to be here. If Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords who possesses all authority and He says, you be careful with how you hear what I say. It takes on a little different flavor. For your good or not. It takes on a different flavor. And I'm probably not here, but I'm actually over here. So who are you to tell me? And by the way, we are talking here about Jesus saying something to us and we just celebrated Independence Day. We don't like kings in America except the great king self. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for Fourth of July. You know, overeating and blowing things up is pretty good. 
as Jim Gaffigan says, that's what the founding fathers would want. Um, <laughs> I like our freedom. I'm thankful. I'm not trying to say it's not significant what God has done. But we seem to hold it as the supreme virtue that we get emotional about and love because we have our freedoms. It's great to have freedom. But ultimate freedom is an illusion. It's not true. It's not true. Jesus says, and he has every right to say, be careful with how you hear what I say. And I think that probably should shock us. It's not just good advice. He's not a politician running for office, showing us what he has to offer. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. Then verse 18 tells us a little bit about why. Let's keep going in verse 18 where he says, uh, partially through the verse there, for to the one who has, more will be given. There's the blessing. So, so listen to what Jesus says, the ultimate authority. And if you, you listen to him, you'll, you'll even receive more. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, that's so interesting, the way to put it, will be taken away. You know, so much for the myth of neutrality. You're hearing the word of God. You're embracing it for what it is, amening it for what it is, or you're saying, uh, I'm not so sure, or no. It's bad. Don't want to be that guy or gal. But Jesus is drawing that line in the sand. Whatever true understanding you have of God will be expanded. And whatever true understanding of God you might even think that you have will be taken away. Now, I'm tempted to apply this, you know, to now let's just kind of go off. I'm not going to do it really, but apply this to individuals, apply it to peoples, apply it to denominations. You see where things go. Kind of comes back to this. And you say, they, they, they started off good, and, and then they, 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 they compromised on this, and it just led to worse and worse and worse and worse, and their founders would, would, would be shocked and amazed. Well, this at least gives us some insight into, into why. Now, let's, use, let's just even use verse 18 as a test case. I mean, how, how does it settle with you? Um... This, this Jesus says, the one who has, more will be given. And the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. What's your evaluation of that? You like that? And there's something in us that doesn't like it. And go, we, we, we go, that, that offends my sensibilities. That just, that, that, that doesn't seem very PC. That, that just doesn't seem right at all. Well, even the test case is busting your chops. <laughs> if, if, if that's how it settles with us, and I say, God help us to have it not settle with us like that. I mean, I realize we're programmed and we're, we're, we're fitting into culture and we're trying to really be careful. And, but, but God help, uh, help us literally to not go, I don't really like that. I don't know if I accept that. Man, that's a bad spot to be. It's a really bad spot to be. 
Now let's look at this from yet another perspective. I think this is really important here. Why does Jesus emphasize, be careful how you hear? Because he could be emphasizing, be careful that you see everything I do. Now, let's not make a false choice. Both are really important. Okay, so let's not make a false choice, but I want to pose the question, why do you think he's saying, be careful how you hear? And not just, be careful that you see everything I do. You see the significant things I do. Now, so we don't make a false choice. Let's at least make sure we understand it's really important the things he did. Okay, I'm not, going, I'm not saying it's either or. It's really important. Jesus really came to planet earth where we live now. He genuinely and truly lived his life sinless in obedience and submission to the law of God. He did those things. Not only that, he genuinely and truly showed compassion on those that others didn't show compassion on. He showed mercy. He forgave people. He truly and genuinely did things like that. He, he, he fed people. He cared for people. He healed people in the here and now. He literally and actually went to the cross and was crucified. The acts are so important. And he, he bodily was raised from the dead. And he bodily ascended. And he's bodily returning. These are all actions that are crucial. But my question to you this morning right now is why didn't he only emphasize those things why did he say be careful how you hear maybe there's multiple reasons but one reason for sure is that hearing speaking gives explanation Hearing, speaking gives interpretation. He, he can communicate what it means for him to actually come to earth. He can communicate and interpret what it means for him to live his life for 30 some years on earth. He can communicate what it means for him to go to the cross. He can communicate what it means for him to be raised from the dead. And it's crucial that we get that. Crucial that we get that. Otherwise, again, we're, we, we don't really have light. Because again, it's going to be, well, hey, Jim, what's it mean to you that Jesus came here? Well, I, I don't know, Lisa Lou. Uh, what does it mean to you in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead? What do, you, what do you think it means? Well, I don't know. Let's have a seminar, right? Let's write dissertations. Jesus says, be careful how you hear the word of God. And I'm going to echo that and say, remember, he says that. Because then you can know, how about this, why these things happened. Far too much time is talked about, well, that's your interpretation. Well, it would be your interpretation if he hadn't spoken. He explained And now we're really on to understanding. Jesus didn't just come to be a martyr. Jesus himself said, himself said, I lay my life down. Oh, so he wasn't just murdered. For, oh, substitution. 
the sheep. (sighs) How awesome. You get it. You totally know now. Because you heard Jesus for what he said, and you were careful to hear what he said, and you're not playing self-authority that says, we just don't know, which is like the height of arrogance. If Jesus said, be careful to listen to me, and he says things like, I lay my life down for the sheep. There's a whole group of people, even some that say they're Christians, who say that Jesus didn't die a substitutionary death. He was just an example. Well, hello, Be careful what you hear. And you say, the next thing you know, they're going to be denying his sovereignty and his resurrection. Yeah, because if you don't hear what he says, even what you think you know will be taken away, we should expect it to get to to go from badder to worser. Right? We we, we understand that what Jesus did on the cross uh, not only was a substitutionary death, but it was also a death for sinners because he said he didn't come for the righteous but for sinners we can interpret that we can understand that not only that we we can understand because of words because of words we can understand that his death was an atoning death oh that tells us something because if there's atonement that means we have a god who is upset and it means we're Under condemnation, Jesus, as the substitute, propitiates... Oh, that's more of that anger talk. We just don't believe in a God like that. Well, of course we do. If we hear what Jesus says, He came to reconcile us to God because we were alienated from God. And how do you know that? You know that not because of only the historic events, but because there have been words to explain the historic events, and you know what they mean. Be careful that you hear the Word of God. It's crucial and vital. You say, well, but we're not really a, an auditory culture. We're a visual culture and we have to do it differently. That's, thank, welcome to the Middle Ages when they had pictures of things, icons, and low explanation through words that could explain and interpret. And it's no wonder they didn't really know what the meaning was. Jesus says, be careful that you hear the word of God. And I'm going to say the same thing because it's how we understand the meaning. It's crucial. It's vital. Reconciliation, redemption, substitution, propitiation. And you say, I don't know all those words. You don't have to know all the words, but you can understand at least the realities and the concepts because they're biblical. And you can say, I understand Jesus and who he is and what he did. That's great. And how do you go from point A to point B? You're careful to hear what Jesus says. I love that. I so love that because I'm not, I'm feeling stifled. No, I'm feeling free because we don't have to walk around in darkness and go, oh, here's what I think it means. How about light has shone? Jesus came into the darkness and he spoke and made things clear and we can understand. It's so awesome. Then let's move on to verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God 
and do it. Notice it once again, that word here. It's the reoccurring theme. He's still talking about the same issue. Hearing the word of God. Hearing the truth about the kingdom. Hearing the good news about the kingdom. Hearing the truth about him. And then he says, and do it. And based upon the whole chapter, chapter 8, verses 1 and following, I think it would be safe to conclude that when he talks about do it here, he's not talking about in a generic, general sense. Hear the word of God, the truth about the kingdom, the truth about the king, and you do it, you respond. Specifically, first and foremost, you respond by, by embracing. You embrace the truth about the king. You embrace the truth about Jesus. It would be very um, inappropriate to say he was disrespectful to his mother and he didn't show her respect. We know that because going on, we see that he makes sure that she's taken care of. Uh, this is not an inappropriate slight. This is for us to have an illustration of what it means to be close to Jesus. It's those who do what I just said. Hear and embrace it for what it really is. They're the ones who are close to me. They're the ones who are part of this family. It's so cool to see. How about this? Do you want to be in as close a relationship to Jesus Christ as his mother? Hear the word of God about Jesus Christ and embrace it to be so. And you can't get any closer to Jesus. You're intimately related to Him. You're on the right side. You're with Him. He's with you. Acceptable before God. And then you start putting the pieces together. And He's the one that the Father spoke from heaven about and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Well, now you're as close as you could possibly be to the one with whom the Father is pleased. And now our minds can just race all over the New Testament and think about what it means to be united to Christ and to be with Him. He's our elder brother spiritually who leads us to God and we're adopted as sons because of Him. We're in the family and you just... I just have to say, this is awesome. This is great. This is fantastic. But it has to do with words. Words from God that give explanation, that give life. It's no wonder where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you want to leave? John chapter 6, I think it is. Peter says, no, we already had a meeting about that. <laughs> where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. It would be ludicrous to leave you. You're the one. You're the one. So be careful how you hear. We're not going to take the time to go there, but that would, that would be a good salvation kind of text. Maybe another one for spiritual growth, even for us, because we struggle with this as believers, would be to, to go to that book that Jesus' brother wrote about, or that he wrote in James, James chapter 1, writing to a professing Christians. And he's saying, 
chapter 1, verse 19, I think it is. 18 tells us about the Word of God. 19, it says, to professing Christians like you and like me, be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. But I think, um, uh, and slow to anger. I don't like that. He says, don't do that. But he wouldn't have written it if we ourselves don't have some growing to do and some maturing to do. Be quick to hear. Slow to give your opinion. And even slower to say, but. He's the authoritative one who has the words of eternal life. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. We can be so thankful that we have the historic events because without them the words would be meaningless claims. Historic events with divine interpretation from Jesus so that we can know what they mean and that's through the light that Jesus brings. So don't pretend like you're living in darkness. Pretend like you're living in the light because you are by God's grace. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you for words and thank you that you've been communicating through words and even the living word himself, Jesus. And it's a delight for us to, to realize that we can know these things. We do acknowledge before you we can't know them perfectly this side of heaven. Um, we know in part, but we are grateful that nevertheless we know and knowledge is reachable. Conclusions are reachable and we're grateful that Jesus, the one who called himself the truth, uh, is knowable by your grace. Help us to not be prideful uh, as we leave this place today. Help us to realize that uh, we would know nothing apart from the sovereign work of the Spirit, turning our eyes so that we might understand. And We're grateful for the way you work so that we can know. Um, help us as believers to, to act uh, appropriately and fittingly so that we might be able to communicate to others um, about the great light that Jesus is. And by doing that, we're functioning as light. Uh, thank you now for the opportunity we have to be reminded about what Jesus did for us. Uh, as we eat and as we drink, as Jesus said. In his name we pray, amen.